Today we'll be reading from Luke 12. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor will dress like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for a pagan world runs after all such things and your Father knows what you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hi, friends. We continue in our Gospel of Luke series, and uh, we've set aside a short segment, if you would, uh, Luke chapter 12 that Deanna read earlier called Treasure Maps. So again, as Luke began last week, I want to talk again about treasure maps. I have a friend that lives in Nanaimo, and visiting one afternoon, he took me uh, on an on a exploration with his hobby called geocaching. Not sure if you've ever heard of geocaching, but what geocaching is, is um, uh, uh, following uh, maps towards treasure. And, and that's exactly what it is, using an app on a phone and a membership towards access to a GPS tracking system, you have your, he had his phone and we were following along streets and sidewalks and the parks and yes, finding treasure um, behind the, in, in the woods, behind a rock, under a rock. It was, it was actually quite fascinating. Uh, the hunt towards the treasure. Um, what was the treasure? They were often um, items that were capsulized. So you'd open up the treasure and you'd find what's there and you'd take a look and you wouldn't really take the treasure, but you'd leave the treasure and you'd sign your name, you'd date it, and you'd put it back for the next, the next treasure hunter. Fascinating, I loved it. It was, it was just something so different. Well, coming back to Langley, I thought, wow, I, I wonder if there's treasures in my neighborhood. And I got on uh, the, the internet, if you would, and started typing and found, wow, there, there's treasures around my neighborhood. Um, again, uh, classic Dave Soames, not wanting to sign up for any kind of membership, looking for something free, I set out to say, hey, the, I'm going to be a geocacher as well, but of course, sidestepping all the formal stuff. I got so excited that I talked my, one of my daughters into having a birthday party around geocaching. 
and thought, hey, I, I sold it with the thought that we're going to walk the streets of our neighborhood and we're going to find treasures and we're going to sign our name. And, and I kind of built it up, of course, to be something that it absolutely wasn't. I never did do a trial run. I just trusted this hokey little website that I thought was sure different than my friend's formal membership and website, but someone had posted it. And although the website and the app looked a little childish and a little bit uh, lacking in some detail, we did get the girls together for a birthday party and I, we set out from our home uh, following me with my phone. We didn't have many phones, we just had me, the dad, leading these young girls up and over uh, towards three locations, we thought. Underneath the overpass in 208, there was to be a treasure there. Over in the Enchanted Forest by the Walnut Grove High School. And then from there up to Alex Hope in 88 into the uh, playground. That was the goal. Well, by the time uh, we got this group of girls up and under the overpass, these unsuspecting girls that were really not into it, I was encouraging them that the, the, the quadrants lead us to here and asking them to turn over rocks and look. And there was nothing there at all. Um, took a second run at it in some ways. It kind of made it about them because they weren't lurking hard enough. And we said, well, this is probably not going to be the case if we walk all the way over to the Walnut Grove High School Enchanted Forest. And so we made our way another 20 minutes of walking over there and we were looking in the Enchanted Forest and there's nothing there. I, I, I gave up. There, there was no way I could convince the girls to walk up to Alex Hope. We turned around and walked home and it was probably the worst birthday party that we ever hosted for one of our children. I have no idea what the girls would have said to their parents. Treasure maps, they exist. In our passage today, Jesus is introducing a treasure map. He shares two clues towards a narrow path and then towards the ultimate treasure on earth and for all eternity. Let's take a look at this passage of scripture today. The first two clues. The first clue in verses 24 to 26 references the clue from the raven. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Here's a clue. Jesus points us to the example of the raven. So interesting that Jesus used the raven, uh, the unclean bird, uh, to highlight how gracious a God he is. Jesus says the raven does not sow, reap, has no storeroom or barn. The obvious clue here from the raven is to be trusting God for daily provision. Money is to represent daily provision. Simple, a very small narrative. Money provides provision for a daily, provides daily provision. Certainly in the West, money is associated to so much more status, privilege, comfort, opportunity. 
And secondly, Jesus introduces the example of money that is often associated, not just to daily provision, but to grandiose ideas of storerooms and filling barns. These two images represent many things, which include how money is used often to secure someone's future by storing and stockpiling. So again, Jesus is teaching by way of contrast, the raven and the person. People spend a lot of time and money and energy and resources securing a future that includes a daily provision, but also the future provision by padding bank accounts, in large savings investments, insurance, nest eggs. And Jesus says, hey, the, the raven does has none of those concerns. The long-term plan for the raven is simply to have daily bread, one day at a time, and their confidence is that tomorrow will take care of itself. Here Jesus is not saying don't plan or practice stewardship. Don't be wise. Don't be unwise. Jesus turns to the crowd and says, hey, you you can't add anything to your life by worrying, so why do you worry? And again, the contrast between the raven and, of course, the person. The, The English word worry finds its origin from a German word which means to strangle. So this is what worry does. It strangles. It chokes us out from being able to move forward with a peaceful, generous financial plan because we're too busy planning, securing, storing, and gathering for ourselves. And friends, this is not the narrative that Jesus calls us into. For a Christian, for a Christian, worrying is a sign of being double-minded. And because of this double-mindedness, we walk a path with what I call contingency plans. I will give this to God, and I will keep this for myself. And this double-mindedness and this contingency plan strategy is really never what Jesus had on his mind for our spiritual formation. We're to be all in, to give all to Jesus and trust him for our daily provision. Example, Raven, great clue, and to trust him because of that plan for our future. Corey Ten Boom, a survivor of a Nazi concentration camp, said it well. Worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Friends, if worry is an issue in your heart, perhaps the place that we would go to sort it out is with naming the root system that produces worry in your life you will find, and seen through the teaching here, that the root of worry is fear. Perhaps fear of losing personal control. Perhaps fear of missing out on something. Perhaps fear that our personal security is somehow threatened. And perhaps fear of a blocked personal goal. But yet, oh, the joy of not worrying. The joy that comes from being a person that's full of peace. The peaceful person has learned what to do with anxiety and anger or fear. This 
peaceful person has learned to turn over and over again to God and trust the clues to ultimately lead to God's treasure and provision. So the raven's clue, the first clue towards the narrow path that leads to the provision or the promise is again the clue of the raven, to trust God for daily provision. You don't need a contingency plan. You don't need to be double-minded. Just trust God. Um, Trust God for daily provision. We start our financial narrative there. Second clue uh, in this passage is to draw a clue from a wild flower. And it's worded this way. Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown, it tomorrow was thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? I love fresh flowers. I really do. I, 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 I love the color. I love the detail. Of course, I love the smell. During our art installation, we were encouraged so appropriately in many ways. And one was to, to lift our eyes to the mountains because that is where our help comes from. This passage of scripture uh, says, look at the wild flowers for you can draw such clues towards the appropriate treasure. Wildflowers remind us of God's creativity and attention to detail and ability to create and sustain beautiful life, colorful life. Wildflowers need five things in order to grow. Sunlight, proper temperature, moisture, air, uh, and nutrients. All of these which are provided by God. So Jesus uses wildflowers as a clue to note that that, that note that they do not labor or spin. In other words, they are not frantically working, laboring, using a spinning wheel to close themselves. No, the wildflower represents a life that grows beautiful and blessed because of the generous provision of God. So how does this translate? Are, are we supposed to move to the flats <laughs> and stand in a field and think God will take care of us? Well, probably not. It's not how the economy of God works. There are two ways that God takes care of us and provides for us. It's through our own income and through the income of someone else. I was this past weekend at a large fundraiser for Hope International. And I was reminded about how my income can help someone who has less income in the other side of the world. And those stories were told of how income here can bless someone over there. What a beautiful distribution of wealth. So we are to find sources. What are we hearing? Money is to be used to care for ourselves and care for others. So money um, and sources of money are to be found and collected for the purposes of stewardship and serving, not for securing a storehouse. So when we think about how sacred work is, 
and our finances gifted to us by God are, we are to work and give unto the Lord. For our work is sacred, for it is set aside for the purpose of taking care of ourselves and others. Perhaps work is not sacred if it is simply about gathering money, more money, personal promotion, personal worth and wealth, and personal benefit. So again, we're following two clues. The clue of the raven, which says God wants our energy to focus on trusting him for our daily bread rather than all of our energy being depleted into building storehouses and barns to secure our future. And the second clue is a wildflower, which says God has what we need, what God has what we need for human flourishing, and God will take care of us and get us involved in taking care of others. Those two clues in this passage lead us to verse 31 and verse 32, which describes the narrow path that these two clues get us up and on. The narrow path is cited this way again in verse 31 and verse 32. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So what are we talking about? This is the road of the kingdom. The clues that get us up and on the road and staying on the road that prioritizes life within the kingdom. And so to get us up and on this narrow road, he gives us these two clues. We are told here that these clues lead us to the path of seeking his kingdom. What is this kingdom that verse 31 and verse 32 discuss? This kingdom of God refers to the rule of God in the world and the reign of God as he provides for all people. So as we apply this command and these definitions to our conversation about our money, we are to take our money and use it for redeemed purposes. And what are they? Money is given for daily bread and distribution, and money is given for the purpose and provision of human flourishing which is human flourishing for us, ourselves, and others. This is why the Lord's Prayer that we studied a number of months ago, we duly noted the prayer that says, Lord, give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. So we pray in the context of stewardship and redeeming the narrative of money for our own purposes and, of course, for the purposes of care of others. Seeking the kingdom means to seek the rule of Christ, which refers to equality and equity and peace and people being cared for locally and globally, loving our neighbors locally and globally. Human flourishing. Verse 31, the promises, and these things will be given to you as well. What are the these things that God promises he will provide? These are the necessities of life for ourselves and for others, the, the basic necessities of life. And Luke Knight talked about that last week, what the basic necessities of life are. Again, this is not a promise to give us what we want. It's a promise to give us what we need. And that shift in narrative is critical to following clues onto this narrow path. So again, speak, think of the context. Jesus and Luke 12 
Luke reminded us of it last week, and we're in Luke chapter 12, Jesus standing in front of a very diverse, large crowd, and he, and he goes after two very important practical things in which people's lives and communities form, identity and entitlement. For example, this has always been the case for mankind, an identity that is built upon a culture that is often not leaning towards God, but leaning it away from God. What do I mean? The popular cultural identity today is built upon three things. What you do, what you have, and what people say about you. And that is always tied, or most often tied, to personal finances. But in the kingdom of God, our identity is based upon what Christ says about us and who we are. Human entitlement, that's certainly a part of the cultural narrative. It was in the first century, Luke chapter 12, and still is today. An entitlement that says, um, be good to you, take care of yourself, you deserve this, you've earned this. But friends, seeking the kingdom of God draws us into a different type of a word. It's not based upon entitlement, it's based upon responsibility. That we give, we, that our that our um, entitlement or our narrative is based not upon what we store and keep, but it's based upon what we give away. And that's how the human flourishes. So in this passage, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock. So here Jesus stands positionally in front of this large group and says, I'm your good shepherd. Don't be afraid, little flock. See, peace is an unknown characteristic of so many. And here Jesus says, you can have peace because your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Goes on to say in verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Appropriate way to finish this treasure map conversation today, dealing with the treasures at the end of the road. What treasures are on your mind as you travel these days? For where the location of your the location of your treasure reveals the location of your heart or your starting point. The location of your treasure reveals your heart and three indicators of what your treasure are, what you spend your money on, what you spend your time, um, what you how you spend your time, and thirdly, what you worry about. So if, you set, if your heart is set on the kingdom of God, we will be busy laying up treasures in heaven. If our heart is set and focused on the kingdom of God and we trust in him, the less worries we will have for ourselves and the greater we will concern we will have for others. Hence, human flourishing. So how do we get there? How do we get realigned if we find ourselves slightly unaligned? Well, verse 33 perhaps is the starting place. We draw clues, we try to get there, but again, how, do, how Jesus shows us perhaps this huge course correction that gets us paying attention to his clues and his path, and it's found in verse 33. Hey, perhaps Jesus says here, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Wow, drastic. A lot could be said about that, which we don't have time for today. But perhaps I would just say this, the starting place to getting us following the clues and on this narrow path which leads to treasures that God has for us and human flourishing 
is turning everything over to God, everything over to God's capable hands and saying, I trust you. I trust you that you will take care of me and I trust you as you help me take care of others. So in closing, question is, what path are you on as it relates to your personal finances? And the invitation we have today from Luke chapter 12 is to follow the raven, follow the example of the raven, and follow the example of the wildflower. A great place to start as we continue to follow the treasure map to the joy of human flourishing on earth, and of course, the privilege of storing up treasures in heaven.